Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. The gospel was first preached to the house of Israel, then it was rejected, but then it went to the Gentiles and it was accepted, and then the Gentiles did most of the work for the church, the heavy lifting. Interesting, isn't it? But the Jews did their own heavy lifting, and thank God for them, because they carried the oracles of God for the whole world all those thousands of years. Think about that, like the Bibles that we love. Thank you to the Jewish people whose, you know, forefathers kept this for us. They kept it for us. And that's why Paul says, you know, beautiful things about them in the book of Romans, that God's not done with them and how, um, you know, there, it, there, it's, a, there's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to, to have the heritage of being Jewish because of the oracles of God that were committed to them. And the history of that. And when a, a Jewish man or woman comes to know Jesus Christ as their Messiah, wow, when they get the knowledge of all they know of the, of the Torah, of the five books of, of, of Moses, and they come together with the New Testament, and it, it, the knowledge is like woof, and the feasts and stuff that they celebrate today, it all points to Jesus, and they see so clearly because of their heritage. And... Um, but it was, um, so they did do their own heavy lifting, but once the, once the Spirit was poured out, it's generally the Gentiles that have been going around the world. And, um, but it was always in God's heart that his church be mixed with all kinds of people, with all walks of life. Amen? It was always his heart. Um, in John 10, 16, John 10, 16, it's a beautiful verse. Write it down. Check it out later. Jesus said, as he was talking about being the good shepherd, he says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. How cool is that? He said, right, you know, aside from his own people of the, according to the flesh, there's, a, there's another flock that's going to come in, speaking of the Gentiles, right? And they will be one people, which is a huge miracle. And um, Hosea is also... Um, quoted in the New Testament um, by Paul in uh, Hosea 2.23 it speaks of God one day inviting all people not just the Jews then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy then I will say to those who were not my people you are my people and they shall say you are my God that's a beautiful thing those who are not my people can say they are my people because God says you are his people. And that should bless the heart of the sinner because many sinners out there feel that they are unwanted and ostracized and aren't welcomed in God's family. God will take any sinner who's willing to repent of their sins and put their trust in his son 
they will be received into his family. Not just to be adopted sons and daughters, but also heirs. Heirs of the king. You just enter into royalty. It's such a beautiful thing. So if you're watching this or listening, or you're here tonight, don't let the devil think that you, you, you can't fit into God's family. My goodness, if he would take us, he'll take anyone. Anyone. But he calls us to repent. He calls us to repent. Stop living for ourselves. Paul would write to the Gentiles in the church in Romans 11. You ought to write it down. It's very doctrinal. It's about the state of things today between the Jews and the Gentiles. And what's really going on? You know, in Romans 11, 25, verse 26, he, uh, Paul says, For I do not want you, brethren, or I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. In other words, God is saying to us that, uh, you know, we are, uh, or he says that Israel is blinded until the fullness of the time of the Gentiles has come to pass. And so as the churches, as God is working through the Gentile church today, There'll be a time when the church is removed out of here, and that's before God pours out his wrath, and, and we call that the rapture of the church, where before God judges this world, he's going to remove his church. And once he does that, the blinders are going to come off of Israel, and they're going to realize that Jesus is the Messiah, and that is after, of course, the Antichrist builds their third temple and deceives the whole world and uh, makes everyone uh, take his mark in order to go to the grocery store. Amen? <laughs> it's a lot for a Wednesday night. I know that sentence alone is like, whoa. All right. But I would say that, uh, and also in Romans eleven eleven, he says, uh, I say then, have they stumbled? Has Israel stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So in the meantime, we pray for Israel. And our love for Jesus Christ, our devotion to Jesus Christ is a mechanism to cause jealousy on their part to want to know him. So the better we live it, the more we pray for them, the more they see the Christian church loving on, on Jesus Christ, our, our Jewish Messiah, it'll cause them to uh, desire salvation. Interesting. All right, so the application is obviously God uses people from all walks of life to come together, and that's what we are here. Everyone. Everyone should be doing the heavy lifting, right? As the aliens were doing the heavy lifting here in our text, all of us. You know, we're one body. We come together, and when everyone takes part, it makes the load a lot lighter. Amen? So, so think about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul would write, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member but many. Right? It doesn't matter our background. We're one in Christ. That's a beautiful thing. Only Christ can make that. Only Christ can do that. It's the greatest 
<laughs> experience of being a Christian, one of the greatest experiences, I should say, is, is experiencing how it's a big soup pot. And, you know, who doesn't like soup? You know, it's just phenomenal. Just, just it's, it's funny. It's very funny, actually, to see people of all walks of life hanging out and having fun. It's a sweet thing. All right, so in verse 1 of chapter 3, Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. And so we see here in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says that Solomon was determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord. But now we read in verse 1 of the third chapter that he's actually beginning now to build the house. So in chapter 2, he was determined to. In chapter 3, he's now doing it. There's a real lesson in that, that we as believers in Christ, you know, we, we shouldn't be those who just have good intentions of doing something for the Lord. Being, being those who, you know, God speaks to our heart and we say, yeah, I'm going to do that for the Lord. But then we never do it. We don't want to be that kind of Christian. We want to be those that when we hear God speak into our hearts, like you ought to be serving the Lord. You ought to volunteer. You ought to go to church more regularly. You ought to give like I spoke to your heart, to give more. Whatever God is saying to your heart, he's always speaking to us and he's, he has directions for us. And, and, and maybe that's you tonight where God has said, you know, you need to be involved. You need to do something or, you, you know, and you just haven't done it. Or maybe you said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to next week, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's, that, it's like that shirt that, that's, that's for procrastinators. It says, procrastinators unite tomorrow. <laughs> and that's kind of the way many Christians are. You know, it's, 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 I was determined, but there's never the doing of it. And I, it reminded me of when Paul was um, speaking to the Corinthian church concerning um, they're giving financially to the church in Jerusalem. Remember that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, he was, he, there was the, the church in Jerusalem was having financial difficulties. And so Paul was collecting an offering from all the other churches. And the churches in, in Macedonia, they were afflicted, they were persecuted, and they were broke. But yet they gave, and, they, and he collected from them anyway. And the Corinthian church, they had determined to give. They had said they would give, but then they didn't give. So he wrote this to them. He said, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. Right? And that's kind of, you know, Solomon. He determined to do it, and now he's doing it. And God has spoken. And maybe it's, I'm going to attend church regularly now. Like, you know, it's like my, my, my Christian resolution. God has spoken. I haven't been consistent. I don't fellowship with anybody. I just come in and I bounce. I got to open up to people now and, you know, stick around a little bit. There's, there's always instructions from the Lord to help us to be better Christians that, that, you know, we think we're getting away with it because no one's really calling us on it. But yet God sees the heart. 
What, is he de- what have you determined to be different about in the Lord? And, and, and now it may be time that God is saying, do it. Do it. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Uh, at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And, uh, and so the foundation of where the temple's going to be is at the threshing floor of this man called Ornan, the Jebusite. And you remember the story uh, of, of Ornan and King David back in 1 Chronicles 21 where David was stirred by Satan to number the people. And he, so he did a census of how many people there were in Israel. And it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't like, you know, let's do a census so we can know how many paper plates to, to buy to feed everybody. And so everyone has a plate or whatever. It wasn't for logistics. It was a prideful thing, kind of the way the kings around him were doing. And just, oh, my army's that big, so we're that great. But Israel's protection has always been from the Lord, not the size of an army. So God really took offense to that. And you know the story, there was a plague and because of it, and the angel of the Lord was going to destroy Jerusalem. And uh, he was right there near Ornan's threshing floor on Mount Moriah. And um, David confessed before the Lord and uh, He was giving instructions by the angel via Gad, the prophet, who told David, here's what you got to do to make things right. Go to the threshing floor of this man, Ornan, and uh, build an altar to the Lord there. And so, you know the story. He goes there, and Ornan sees him, and he bows his head before the king like so. And and he tells, uh, uh, you know, David, like, or David tells him, uh, Grant me the place of your threshing floor that I may build an altar to the Lord. But, but uh, Ornan uh, said to David, hey, take, it, take it for yourself and let my lord the king do whatever is good in his eyes. In other words, the king wants the threshing floor. He says to him, go ahead and have it free of charge. It's all yours, king. Do whatever you want. And, and he also said, look, I have the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing implements for the wood, uh, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. I give it all to you. You're, you're the king. You're King David. I give it all. Then the king responded to Ornan, no, 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 no. But I will not surely, uh, but I will surely buy it for full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings, which have cost me nothing. No way. So he I'm not going to offer to God something that, you know what I mean, that isn't a sacrifice for me. So he pays the full price and, and the plague is stopped. The angel puts his sword back in the sheath and God answered as he, as he offered sacrifices. God answered by, you know, throwing fire down on the altar from heaven. Crazy. Right there in Jerusalem. Mount Moriah. It's a place where the plague was stopped. It's a place of sacrifice. It's also the place, as you know, where Abraham, back in Genesis, Father Abraham was tested by the Lord whether or not he truly loved God. And so back in Genesis 22, you know the story. God says, uh, uh, you know, uh, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he says, "Uh, take your son, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on 
one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. But Isaac, once they got there, and there's the wood, and there's the, you know, uh, the, the artifacts to do the sacrifice. And Isaac said to Abraham, his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he says, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two of them went together. And you know the story as he was about to sacrifice his son. Angel of the Lord said, don't lay your hand on, on the lad. And God provided the sacrifice. That's Mount Moriah, place of sacrifice. Mount Moriah, place where the plague was ended. And also in Matthew 21, our Lord, it says of Jesus that, uh, you know, <clears throat> Or in Mark 15, our Jesus, it says that they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. And then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. They divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. That crucifixion took place on Mount Moriah, place where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. But the Lord provided a lamb didn't he and the lamb was jesus christ who would die for our sins so the place where the temple is going to be built is a very historic and beautiful and powerful place it's a place where the plague will stop it's a place where god provided a sacrifice it's a place where our lord gave himself for us and so if you're gonna build a temple the lesson is build it upon Jesus Christ, who is our rock. He said it himself in Matthew 21. Have you never read in the scriptures a stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of our lives. Foundations are, is the strongest uh, point of a building. You know, we were able to go to New York you know, last week or whatever, I was in New York, first time looking at all these buildings and just imagining the foundation for those, you know, skyscrapers. Just imagine, if, if they needed to do work on the foundation, that would, that would take an army because the building's already built, that's it. It's there, it's, it's, it's in stone, it's there. But spiritually speaking, all of us, our foundation our spiritual foundation is Christ. And it's not a foundation that we can just leave. It's a foundation that must be maintained. That we can maintain. We can go back to the foundation which is Christ. And, and, and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Go back to the beginning if we need to. And some of us, our foundation is all whacked. Spiritually. Think about it. He is the cornerstone. He is our foundation. In Psalm 11.3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation of our lives spiritually is everything. There's too many of us who are building our lives not on Christ, but on our own understanding and our own ways and according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit of God. Think about it. 
was the last time some of us parents or grandparents opened up the word with our children and read a Bible story to them and prayed with them? To some, it's been years. The foundation is cracked. When was the last time us husbands washed our wives with the word of God? Some of our marriages are cracked. The foundation. When was the last time we spent significant time in prayer pouring out our heart before God? When was the last time some of us spent studying His Word and meditating on it? Like I said on Sunday, whenever there's problems in a marriage or in a family, we want to get down to the nitty-gritty. And the nitty-gritty is, how much time are you spending with the Lord? Everyone wants to talk about their problems. I want to hear about Jesus in those counseling sessions. Tell me all about your relationship with the Lord. Oh, tell me how wonderful he is. And, 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 and most of the time they cannot. And thus, the foundation is cracked. And so what do they need to do? Go back to the foundation and all this other stuff will be taken care of. Revelation 2 to the church of Ephesus. Jesus you know, corrects them by telling them they can, they can start by going back to their first love, right? Nevertheless, I have this against you, Revelation 2, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What first works do you have to do? I would love to spend more time with my kids. I need to. I can't preach to y'all and not preach to them. The Lord was just speaking to me. Strengthen that. Strengthen the feeble knees, the Bible says, and the hands that hang lame. We can go back, you know. We just read about the church at Ephesus. He said, return to your first love. Dust off them Bibles and... Pray with your kids and pray with your spouse. It doesn't matter how old the kids are anyways. The word of God is affected for, effective on little ones and big ones. The big ones especially need it. Maybe it's taking your wife on a date. You know what it is. May God show you. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for your word, Lord. Strengthen us to be the people you want us to be. Jesus, you are our foundation. It begins at the cross. And we just love you so much, Father. And we thank you that you forgive us and that we have an advocate, Jesus, our high priest, who, who sympathizes with us. And when we sin, we have him as an advocate to help us, Lord. So in Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Strengthen our foundation with you, our relationship with you, so that all other relationships work themselves out. Bless your people tonight, and while all heads are bowed, if there's anybody here who has not given their life to Jesus Christ, my dear friend, you do know that if you do not give your life to Jesus, we guarantee you will never see heaven 
And that is why we give the invitation, because we don't know how long we're going to live. We can be here today and gone tomorrow. And Christ is calling you to his family, calling you to repent of your sins and accept him as Lord and Savior. He will cleanse you of all your sins. He will pour out his love in your heart, and he will help you to live a good and holy life. By his power, he will help you to do that. Is there anybody here? who would like to do that this evening. Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let the devil lie to you. He's a liar. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. He loves you and he's not ashamed of you. He died for you, naked on the cross. Is there anybody here? Father, we thank you. May you bless our time of communion now. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.